At Gospel Community Church, our mission is to know the Bible, share life with others, and bring hope to our city and the world. You're listening to the Gospel Community Church Sermons Podcast, where we go through books of the Bible, verse by verse and line by line, to hear the truth that God's Word has to encourage, discipline, and bless us in our daily lives. Community Church. It is my hope that God would bless the preaching of His Word this morning, that it would draw us near to Him, to the wonder at His holiness, to marvel at His grace, and to draw deeply into His love. As I was reflecting this week on this verse and the verses previous to it in chapter 3, I was reminded of how Paul describes the Corinthians as children. He says, you're infants in Christ. And so it just got me thinking, you can learn so much about yourself from watching children interact. Now, you don't even, they don't even have to be your kids, but just watching them and through the lens of how I behave we can see that come to light. And so what I want to do right now is to give you some examples of how children behave. And what I want you to do is think, do I do that? So listen to this. Children want what's theirs. Children want what they want when they want it. Children will result to wrath when they, or to get what they want when they want it. Children will lie to avoid punishment and they struggle to admit guilt. Children will make up stories to impress their friends, like if you've ever gone fishing with Pastor Kirk. Uh, <laughs> children, group, children group up by commonalities into cliques, and children will tattletale or generally step all over one another to get something better or get something first. Is anyone feeling kind of childish right now? Anyone feeling convicted? But we simply can't discount their behavior as immature or temporary. Though it is immature, it's definitely not temporary since we see it in ourselves as grown adults. We as adults, however, know how to hide. We know how to manipulate and we know how to excuse off our sin or our childish behavior unlike the child does, right? We all sin but the child doesn't have the social conditioning to push it away. Last week, we found ourselves in this text. The Corinthian church is battling division and hostility, among other things, inside the church. They were, as Paul states, acting like infants in Christ, childish behavior from grown folks. And this was a grave concern for Paul. You see, Paul's initial concern regarding the Corinthian church was their division caused by an arrogant party spirit. If you remember from last week, they were saying such things as, I follow Paul. Well, I follow Apollos. And some even said, well, I follow Christ. Such, party, uh, such a party spirit in that their man, I follow my man. May it never be said in gospel community church that I follow David, or I follow Kirk, or I follow Ben. We all follow Christ. This is Christ's church, right? But they weren't saying that in Corinth, were they? They were lining up almost like a cult of personality. I like that guy. That's my guy. I'm going to follow him and listen to what he says. And what this led to was jealousy and strife in the church. Jealousy, strife, which fruit is division. We're dividing among party lines. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? We're dividing among party lines. That party, I have nothing to do with them. I don't like them. These are my people, right? And divisions in the church, it didn't just stop there, did it? We today still see the effects of divisions in the church, don't we? Martin Luther King back in the 60s, right? He said 11 o'clock on Sunday morning is the most segregated hour in America. He followed that up by saying, a segregated body is standing against the spirit and the teachings of Jesus Christ. 
classes, races, ideological factions. We are the body. We are not meant to be divided. It's much like the political climate today. Not necessarily the debates on the Senate floor, but the hordes, the crowds of people that stand outside of the conventions that yeah, yeah, back and forth at each other, that push and shove back and forth at each other. My guy's better. My party's better. You guys hate babies. You hate women. You hate men. You hate the elderly. You hate everybody. We are the party to follow. What this is is triumphalism. Let's put that on the screen. Triumphalism is the attitude or feeling of superiority. A prideful show of pleasure and satisfaction because you have won or done better than someone. You see, in the church in Corinth, pride was on display. Pride. They, they wanted their man Paul. They wanted their man Apollos. And some just didn't even want any of the pastors or preachers. They were... Uh, smug enough to only want Christ, which again, we, we, would, we would be behind, though they in that church were essentially saying, we don't need the church. We don't need the pastors in the church to protect us. We're doing our own Christian thing. What they did was exchange the cross of Christ for party warfare. The cross of Christ. We are all unified under the cross of Christ. Why? Because we're all sinners and in need of the cross. Because it's only through that cross that we can have salvation. But when we say, I follow Paul, or I follow this guy, or I, I watch this guy on TV and don't even come to church, then we are lining up under something, unifying under something other than Christ. And that leads to no unity. Right? As a body, we should be united under the banner of? Under the banner of Christ. We should be unified as a people on our knees before the cross. But when there's no unity, there's no community. We're not doing the one another's when I don't even like you or like your party. If you're a follower of this guy and I'm a follower of this guy, we're not doing dinner together. We're not talking about religion. We're not talking about the things of the spirit because I don't like you and I don't agree with you. But that causes no unity, no community. Therefore, there's no gospel display. Now, what we talked about as we were talking about the vision of our church, uniting under the cross, across cultural, racial, generational lines, what that shows is a display of the gospel because we're not united under commonalities of race, of socioeconomic uh, backgrounds. What we're united under, the only thing we're united under is Christ. And when we're united under Christ, we can do very, 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 very much for his kingdom, and for his glory. Division is contrary to the gospel. The gospel says, come, take the water of life without price. Division says, that's my water. It's not for your kind. So, Paul was very concerned about that, but he wasn't just concerned about the division itself. He was concerned about the effect the division had on the church. Though we can and we will today make personal application from this text, he's not talking about you being the building. The church is the building. God is building his church upon his foundation. Though we are his people and though we are personally indwelt with the spirit, what the text today is talking about, the church, Christ loved the church, Christ died for the church, and God is raising the church up and building it through weak and foolish men. Paul loved the church, and because he loved the church, he was willing to send this rebuke, this warning, saying, hey, what you guys are doing in Corinth after I have left, don't do that. Be careful how you build upon the foundation, which is Christ, because judgment is coming. There's a day coming when your works will be passed through the fire. Do you want your works to be passed through the fire, Corinthian church? Do you want your good works to come out the other end? Then you need to watch how you build upon the foundation that I laid, the foundation of Christ. So let me sum all of this up for us this morning. Uh, this will be the main theme of today. We can go ahead and put it on the screen for those of you type A that want to write it down. The foundation of the church of God is Jesus Christ. Therefore, build upon it with care. For only faithfulness and pure intentions will last, and all else will be burned up in the judgment. 
So Paul is talking to spiritual children, right? That's what he said last week, spiritual children, infants in Christ. And when you talk to children, a lot of times you use word pictures to make it clear, an abstract idea to make clear to a younger or immature mind. Last week, we talked about agriculture, didn't we? We talked about God's field. Paul planted Apollos water, but who brings the growth? God brings the growth. This week, he's switching pictures. Picture two is a building, God's temple. Paul labors to lay the foundation. Apollos and others labor to build the building. But the foundation of that building is founded upon Christ Jesus and him crucified. He supports the entire structure. Look at verse 9, if you will, if you've got your Bibles open. <clears throat> it won't come on the screen, but this is the last verse from last week that ties those two pictures together. It says, for we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. That's the first picture. You are, God, are God's building. That's the second picture. In other words, Paul is shifting from an agricultural idea to an architectural picture. In the first, the church is the field where some planted and some watered. Now it's the building or the church where Paul lays a foundation and others are building upon it. Today is a sermon not only for pastors and those who do the official work of the ministry here in Gospel Community Church, but to each of us who follow Ephesians 4.12 and do the work of the ministry here. So let us dive into God's word and may it grow our joy in him. Starting at verse 10. Paul says, according to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation. Paul calls himself a skilled master builder. Now I'm in the construction industry. If I were to go to my job site and tell one of my trades or tell my boss or tell one of my peers that I'm a skilled master builder, you need to listen to me, I'd get laughed out of the job trailer. I'd get laughed off my job site. I'd be out of there so fast. <clears throat> you would laugh at my audacity to heap upon myself such praise, and you would laugh because I'm clearly delusional for ascribing to myself such accomplishment after have only been in the construction field for such a short time. A skilled master builder is competent and consistent. Having a deep knowledge of the plans, the options, the company standards, they are on the job site the authority to what goes into the building and the authority on the workmanship of the building. They also incorporate systems and structures to ensure a repeatable result. A skilled builder displays the beauty of the plans through his accurate portrayal of them in the structure. I have a long way to grow to live up to this description, but Paul does live up to this description here. So, so here we see in verse 10, Paul gives himself the title of a skilled master builder. In the Greek, I won't parse it out for you, but in, in the Greek, that's where we get our term architect from. Paul is calling himself a skilled master architect. Now, what we don't mean is Paul is not the divine architect. God the Father is the divine architect from the foundations of the world, knew that he would build his church because he knew his people would need salvation from him that came from Christ. Paul, on the other hand, is a skilled master builder, a skilled architect, an apostle, a teacher, a church planter, and have, uh, that has been placed upon him by God himself. Therefore, he is not declaring his superiority. On the contrary, he is pointing to the fact that his abilities to work out his ministry have solely been placed upon him by God. By God. Did you see that? Did you see that? It's, it's the, first, the very first sentence in the text. It says, according to the grace given to me. Not the grace earned by me. Not the, by the grace I'm entitled to. You see, Jesus doesn't call master builders to build his kingdom. He doesn't call men and women into his service that have earned the right to be in his service. No, by his grace, he gives them the power to preach, the power to serve, the power to plant, 
the power to suffer all for his glory. All for the growth of his kingdom, he does this. So Paul doesn't deserve to build his kingdom, but he does. Why? Because God uses the weak things of the world to shame the strong. Here at Gospel Community Church, Pastor Kirk, Pastor Ben, and myself are building on the kingdom. Why? Because God uses the foolish things of the world to shame the strong. That's what Paul did in the, the, the last section of this verse, or the, last, the beginning of this chapter, sorry. He leveled the playing field. He leveled the playing field so that we would know that Psalm 127.1 is true where it says, Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Jesus is building his church, the church worldwide, the church local here at Gospel Community Church. His hands throughout the globe are giving his grace to weak and foolish men. His church throughout, through the power of his word and his church is built on a firm foundation. In construction, the foundation is the most important part of the building. It's the most important part because the whole of the structure rests upon it. On my job site, the structure or the foundation is made of concrete. To properly support the structure, its footers must be deep enough and wide enough to support the weight coming from the top of the building down to the bottom. We must protect it from the moisture in the ground by covering the area with plastic sheeting. We must reinforce the concrete with welded wire mesh in the top one-third of the concrete as well as number four rebar throughout the footers, the re-entrant corners, and the grade beams. We must do this because if we don't, the structure will crumble. If we don't, there is fault then in the structure. So we must then build it up because the whole of the structure rests upon it. Allow me to give, uh, go one more step and, and write this down because we'll come full circle on it. This will come on the screen. The foundation dictates the size and the quality of the building. The foundation dictates the size, meaning the depth and the type of footers, the slab thickness, and the PSI of the concrete determine how high you can go with the building. For instance, you can't build a skyscraper on a three and a half inch thick slab with 24-inch footers. You can't. You can't go that high. Why? Because it would crush it. Because the wind would come along and topple it over because it's not grounded, it's not founded with a firm foundation. In the same way, the foundation dictates then the quality of the building. You wouldn't pour all of your money into a mansion that was on top of cinder blocks. As the floors are sagging and the walls are bowing from the weight coming down, you wouldn't then upgrade to the granite countertops or the surround sound package for the entertainment system. Why? Because it would be a waste of time and money to build such a building upon a shabby foundation. If you're not pouring your money into the foundation, there's no reason to pour your money into the building. So Paul says, I'm a master builder, and I laid a foundation. But what is the foundation he has laid? Looking forward to the end of the verse, we see that the foundation is Jesus Christ and him crucified. Quite, quite literally in the context, it means that Paul entered the pagan city of Corinth. He preached Christ and him crucified. People were saved and began to gather together as a church the foundation of the church is the gospel of Jesus Christ and his substitutionary atonement. Somebody should have amened that. The foundation of the church is the gospel of Jesus Christ and his substitutionary atonement. Jesus died in our place for our sins. This, as we learned last week in verses 1 and 2, is the milk of the gospel. Not that one matures past the cross or that its notion is elementary or base, but it is foundational to all we believe about salvation and our sin. It's through God's grace in his substitutionary atonement. Paul continues verse 10 and into 11 by saying, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which was laid, which is Jesus Christ. 
So Paul says, no one can lay a foundation other than that which was laid. That's very strong language. It's very exclusive language, isn't it? Paul was saying essentially, I said it, and it's the truth, and you must be careful how you use it, how you build upon it. But how can he say that? How can we be sure that that is true? Because he didn't make it up. Because it was given to him as a gift of the Lord. Because he is speaking from his apostolic authority. What that means is, when Paul speaks, being initiated as an apostle of God, when he speaks, he is speaking of the very words of God. By doing so, to disobey Paul is to disobey God. Therefore, when he speaks from his apostolic office, you must listen. Therefore, be careful. Paul says he laid a foundation in Corinth, and now other teachers, or to use the metaphor, other builders come in to build upon it. God worked through Paul to preach his gospel of grace in a major pagan city. Souls were saved and the church was born and Paul moved on. You see, he's the foundation guy. He, he, he plants a foundation in Ephesus and he moves on. He plants a foundation in Corinth for the church to build upon and he moves on. He plants a foundation in Rome and everywhere he goes for the church to build upon and he moves on. He's the foundation guy. Now other teachers have come in and the church is going astray, acting like a bunch of babies, dividing. And as we read in the first, uh, first Corinthians, the church was eat up with sins of the flesh. These builders that were allowing this may have been eloquent speakers, but they were not keeping the fellowship of believers in unity with one another. The preachers may have been charismatic personalities. Again, this cult of personality, we want to follow him. We like the way he talks. But they were not leading the flock faithfully to follow Christ with their lives, uniting under the banner of Christ. In fact, Paul addressed this in the text last week when he said, What is Apollos? What is Paul? Not, not who, who is Apollos, but what is Apollos? What is Paul? For the church was dividing among party lines, and he was going to, boom, shatter their idols. He knocked them down. What is Paul? A servant. He says, we are servants of Christ. You are raising up the servant instead of the king. Would it make sense to go to a, a fancy restaurant, your fancy coat, sit down with your fancy wife, eat an amazing meal, your taste buds are just bubbling with excitement. And the server comes over and says, hey, can I get you anything else? And you say, that was amazing. What you did with the seasoning made my taste buds dance. What you, the way you cooked that steak to a perfect medium oh, it gave me such delight. <laughs> Why are you thanking the server? You should be thanking the chef. The server didn't prepare your meal. The server didn't season your food and cook it to perfection. No, the chef did. But these people, in their immaturity and their childish behavior, were praising the waiter. The text will go into more detail about uh, how these who, those who labor for the church must build upon the foundation in the next verse. But as for now, I just want to pause, and we're going to go down a road for a second. I just want to pause, and I want to revel in the foundation, right? We're going to start talking about the building and those that are building upon the building and how to build upon the building, but I just want to pause and talk about the foundation. Paul's exalting Christ is absolutely preeminent. Not only is he at the bottom of it, holding it up, his influence is utterly pervasive. Therefore, we must know and love Jesus Christ as our foundation before we can ever build upward. So I just want to read to you from two, two places in the Bible. The first is Jesus speaking in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. It will come up on the screen. It says, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on the home 
but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat against the house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. So he's comparing build a house upon the rock, build a house upon the sand. The same story. The wind comes, the rain comes, everything comes. Which is better? The rock. The house that's founded upon the rock can withstand the, the, the rain of, of depression that comes. It can withstand the winds of oppression. It can stand the tumult of despair. Why? Because it's founded on the rock. What is the rock? Jesus says it right here. It says, the words that I say. Jesus' words, which essentially is all that I am, all that I'm telling you about me, all that I'm telling you about my Father. Build your house upon that, and it will not fall. It's a firm foundation upon which we can build our personal lives, upon which we can build our church, upon which we can go and tell and spread the news that are you hurting? Are you suffering? Don't build your house upon the sand for you will fall into it and great will be your fall. Don't place what only God can do on your pastor. Don't place what only God can do on your spouse. Don't place it on your money. Don't place it on your job. Place it upon the rock of Jesus Christ, a firm foundation. Amen. Next, Psalm 40. Psalm 40 says, I waited patiently upon the Lord. He inclined his ear to me and he heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog and set my feet upon the rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. The, the, the pit of destruction and the miry bog. Does anyone find themselves in there today? In the pit of destruction where self-condemnation, self-loathing, or even just a righteous understanding of the wrath of God coming upon sinners. That, that you may be directly in the way because you haven't placed your life upon Christ. If anyone is feeling that today, if anyone is feeling that today, it, it says here that God hears your cries. Have you cried out to him? It says, he pulls you up out of the muck and the mire. Have you felt Jesus pulling you up out of where you are stuck? If not, I pray that as he grabs your arm, as you hear the gospel call, that you would become dislodged, that you would be drawn out by his grace, by his good gospel. What about those who might be stuck in the miry bog? Kind of like a word picture of like a, a quicksand, right? The more you move, the, fur, the further you go down. It's, you may feel like there's nothing that I can do right. Everything that I'm doing is causing me to sink further in my hole. In my hole. I, I, I like what he, he, he says here because, again... It's so easy to succumb to the depression. It's so easy to succumb to the despair. But he says, he drew me out of the pit of destruction. He drew me out of the miry bog. He placed my feet upon the sand. God here inclines his ear to you with passion, with compassion, and doesn't leave you where you are, but he pulls you out and plants your feet upon the firm foundation. That foundation is the same in the parable as it is in the text today. It's the foundation of Christ and him crucified. This will come up on the screen. Without the doctrine of atonement, there is no foundation for our hopes. There's no foundation for our hopes. There's false gospels spreading throughout the world telling the world Believe in this. Count on this. Your money, your success, your job, your spouse, uh, this ideological way or that way. What the Bible says is exclusive. There is no foundation for our hopes other than the foundation of the substitutionary 
atonement that Christ earned for us on the cross. On the cross, Jesus took your sins, your failures, and your guilt. He took it onto himself to free you from the yoke of condemnation and God's wrath, but he went a step further. Jesus, in the great exchange, places upon you his righteousness. Do you see the exchange come to life now when he draws you out of the pit and places a new song in your heart? Jesus is placing upon you your righteousness that comes from him and not from you. You didn't earn it. You don't deserve it. But he gives it to you as a gift. Okay, okay. Let's get back to the text. We still have a little ways to go. Let's get back. Um, here we go as, as Paul continues. He says, Now if anyone builds upon the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and straw. Here Paul calls out six building materials with which we might build upon the foundation, which is Christ. So building the church with these six building materials, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw. What? That, that seems odd in the text. It, it, commentators are pretty clear, uh, although I did see some that said, well, you know, gold should mean this. Uh, silver would mean this or that. Um, but, but essentially what we're talking about not is um, what they do, but, but there's two categories that these are in. So we have combustible and non-combustible. Flammable and non-flammable. But, but before I start parsing that out, what, what I actually just skipped over and want to really hit, uh, what this doesn't mean... What this doesn't mean when we look at gold, silver, and precious stones is the church needs to be bedazzled. It doesn't mean it needs to be bedazzled. I don't need to stand up on this stage and be funny. I don't need to stand up on this stage and be witty. I don't need you guys as we go out into the world to sell anything. We're not selling anything. We're not making the gospel of Jesus Christ more palatable to the world. The gospel is an affront to the world as it should be because it calls us out of our sin. We must recognize our sin. We can't see the beauty of our Savior unless we see the ugliness of our sin. Therefore, we shouldn't hide or, or, or color or place upon it the, the beautiful things to make it more palatable. We should present the gospel as it is, as an affront to sin and as a hope to, 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 the, to salvation. Also, it doesn't mean that only beautiful people can build the church. So those with their gold watches or their precious stones or with their life together, with their kids acting obedient, with, with, with the lovey-huggy, kissy marriage all the time, it doesn't mean you have to have your life together. Bring your baggage to the church. Bring your brokenness to the church. We, we are not saying if you're gold, you're good, and if you're straw, you need not apply. The, the, the church, especially Gospel Community Church, is a motley crew, right? Yeah. We, we, we are a motley crew of brokenness. We are a motley crew of past sin, past shame, past hurt, and a great and awesome Savior. Amen. May we build upon that, and may that be standing on its own. So now let's talk about what, what those materials, what they are. Um, in, in evaluating them, the gold, the silver, the precious stones, um, and the wood, hay, the sh and, and straw. Um, when placed by a fire, right? So we're going to be talking about the judgment of fire. When placed by the fire, wood, hay, and stone burn up. Uh, it's like the, the, the little pig, right, that, that built his house of wood or hay, right? All the, all the, all the wolf had to do was just torch that sucker, and it's gone. And then we have the gold and the silver and the precious stones. They're, they're non-combustible. Yes, they may melt, and that's not where we're going with this. But even when they do that, they're refined. Gold's still gold. It just, through fire, it just takes out the impurities. But it doesn't burn up. And so that's what he's saying. There are good works that, that don't burn up in the judgment, and, and there are not good works. So we'll get into that in just a little bit, uh, talking more about that. But I just want to move on to verse 13. We're getting a little close on time. It says, each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it because it'll be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each has done. So the building materials we have 
uh, by which the builders build the church built on the foundation of Christ are actually their works. That's what we just said. The works of the preachers in Corinth, the pastors today, in fact, for everyone who does the ministry of the gospel, those will become manifest. So what that means is they will become visible or obvious. We will be seeing them. My works, Kirk's works, Paul's works, they'll all be visible on that day. What day? What day is he talking about? Well, commentators have kind of three options to, that they debate over, and, and, and so I'm going to present those to you and kind of land on one. So uh, they say, well, a day in the future, a day in the future when we look back with hindsight, because hindsight is 2020. We look back and say, oh, man, what we did when we did that, we wasted our time. It, it, it has burned up. It's burned in our face. It, it, it's gone, and we won't do that again. A day in the future and looking back. The other, another viewpoint is uh, the day of judgment. So when God divides the people between his chosen, his elect, his, his saved children, and, and the goats, the, those who did not follow him, those who are destined for a real place called hell. So on that day, they say that's when the church will be judged. Others believe that this day then is during the return of Jesus, during that age when uh, Jesus will judge not only the world, but also the church. And so that's where we're going to land today. During the return of Christ, all will be judged, yes. But that's not what this is talking about because it says, even through the judgment, this testing, some will be saved, right? So this is believers, this is church workers essentially their works being judged, not their salvation being judged. So hold, hold tight with me. Hold tight. I, I know this is the, the complicated part and the detailed part. Uh, this testing will burn up what is combustible. So again, our works, the works that we did to build this church uh, will be tested. And, and those that are wood, hay, straw, those that are, are not pure, they're not righteous, they're not faithful, those will be burned up. And what that will create as we look back in it from eternity past, after having passed our works through the judgment, we'll see a black and sorrowful gap in what we should have done and what we could have done to build his church. Though we will still be his, as it says, uh, they'll be saved, but through fire, we'll look back on our history and say, I wish I would have followed Christ. I wish I would have let him lead me and me be faithful in obedience to build his church upon his foundation the way he wanted it built, based on his word, based on his gospel. And I really messed up. I really was less faithful than I should have been, unfaithful. But I love Christ, and I'm in him. Those that built with gold and silver and precious stones as we look back on those, those become an eternal testament to the grace of God. Because, as Paul said, I'm just a servant. I, I am building, but, but, but Christ is enabling me to do so by the gift of his grace. Therefore, when we look back on the works that's done in righteousness, in pure intentions, then we, what we see is a testament to Christ building his church through the foolish things of the world and the weak things of the world. Everybody got it? Yeah. Let's keep going. Verses 14 and 15. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. And if anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only through fire. That's what we just said. Jesus loves his church. He loves it enough to pass it over with fire. He loves it enough to test it. He loves it enough to judge it. And here's the reason why. So that it will be spotless and without blemish when it enters into eternity. He, he is taking out the impurities of what our weak and feeble and foolish hands have done and making it spotless and without blemish as it enters into eternity. Here Paul is conveying that notion as a warning to be faithful and to have pure intentions when building God's church. These are the building materials. Gold, silver, precious stones equal faithfulness and pure intentions. Wood, straw, and hay equal faithlessness and impure intentions. And when passed over by fire, the former remains and the latter is no more. So let's talk about being faithful and having pure intentions as a way to build the church on Christ's foundation. This will come on the screen. Faithful. 
Faithful works are works that are directed by and glorify God or Christ and Him crucified. As a skilled builder knows his plans, he builds his plans. He knows them through study and careful examination. In the same way, a faithful servant of Christ knows the Word of God. By knowing the Word, we can properly build upon the structure. Remember I said it earlier that the foundation determines the size and the structure uh, determines the quality, which is pervasive throughout. Therefore, if we are being faithful to build upon Christ and Him crucified, we must not make up our own stories or bedazzle the cross of Christ. We not, must not stray into false doctrines, therefore distort the cross of Christ, but accurately point ourselves and others to the Word, the only Word. And I know this drum gets beaten over and over here at this church, but we want to know the Bible. Why do we want to know the Bible? So that we can share life with one another and share the good news that is founded on the foundation of Christ. I don't want to share with you something that will slip you into sin. I don't want to share with you something that will crash and burn and your whole life will deteriorate. I want to share with you what is pure and holy, what is built to last, which is the foundation of Christ. Therefore, we then take that hope into the world. Know the Bible, we share life with others, and we bring that hope into the world. Because this world, this dead and dying world, needs that hope, right? A skilled builder also knows the options. These are placed into the plans to form a specific structure based on the designer. Hear this church family, a faithful servant knows the gospel and how to apply it to life's various situations. A faithful servant takes the word and applies that news that Jesus saves sinners to his ministries, to consoling a friend, to help the hurting, to bind up those who are outcast, to draw people into Christ. When we properly apply the gospel of Christ, we can enter into any situation with ears that filter what we hear through the good news that Jesus saves sinners. So the good news that you can't earn God's love it is placed upon you as a gift of grace. We walk into situations. We lead our ministries by that, that gift and thus build the kingdom of God. To be clear, Paul is saying be careful that the hope that you give others is built upon the solid rock of Jesus Christ and his atoning work on the cross. None other can stand eternally. The early church was plagued with unfaithful teachers. Many of the New Testament letters were, were written to correct these false doctrines. And so what we must be careful what we tell others and what we teach and preach because they can lead people down a path that leads to a foundation that is broken. I just want to add one caveat to this, one note. God calls us to be faithful, not successful. God calls us to be faithful, not successful. God requires that we alone are faithful and he will bring the increase. You heard how it took Paul and Apollos and others to labor together to build the church in Corinth. God brings the growth. So some of you in here have been laboring for eight long years as we have built this church. Growth has come and growth has gone and it may not have met the expectations we set, but we don't set the expectations for Christ. Christ does. Christ is building this church. We are his laborers, and we are not judged. His laborers are not judged by the growth, by the success, or by what only God can bring, but we are judged by our faithfulness and our pure intentions. Real quick, uh, pure intentions. Pure intentions are right motives of the heart and are fueled by love and devotion to Christ. One who gives his life away to service because Christ is worth the cost. One who labors to build not their kingdom, but God's kingdom. These are the workers with pure intention. Paul is saying that these intentions receive a reward, and this is the reward. Well done, good and faithful servant. Well done, God says. Pride, on the other hand, Builds a shack. Builds a shack on God's foundation. Pride seeks the glory of Jesus for oneself. That's what we saw in the church of Corinth. Party pride. Pride that resulted in division, disunity, 
and ultimately a church body that was not putting the gospel on display. Gospel Community Church, we need to put the gospel on display by putting pride away. Do not build our shack upon the foundation of Christ, but we build God's kingdom upon that firm foundation. What are you building? What are you building today on Christ's foundation? Take care how you serve the Lord. Do, do you want to serve in the children's ministry? Do you want to serve on the, on the stage singing, leading worship? Do, do, do you want to preach? Do you want to counsel? Is it to build your kingdom? Is it so people will like you, trust you, listen to you, hear your counsel, tell you how smart you are? Or is it that you may be found faithful and that God may say, well done, Good and faithful servant. I got to go. I got to go. This last, this last section, uh, verse 16 and 17. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him for God's temple is holy. And you are that temple. In this context, he doesn't mean you individually. He means you, the church. You, the church. The church is God's temple founded on Christ Jesus and His atoning work, built upon it by weak and foolish men. Be careful. Be careful. First the foundation and then building upon it. This is God's temple. Elsewhere in chapter 6 in, in, in Corinthians, he, Paul talks about you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. But here he's talking about his church. These are those who... Labor upon the found, or there are those who labor upon the foundation with faithfulness and pure motives. There are those who labor upon the foundation with faithlessness and impure intentions. But then, this is what he's talking about here there are those who would destroy God's temple through changing the foundation and making the building into something other than the church of God. This is where pastors are called to the former to protect and build up the church so as to keep it in the direction pointed by Christ, lest someone come in from the outside and destroy it. And it is your responsibility, church family, to know the Bible, to know the gospel, and to knit yourselves together so as to be unified so that we are protected and so that the hell and the counsels of it cannot break down God's church. It is your responsibility, and it is ours, to protect God's church from Attacks from the outside and the attacks from within. From the winds of wrong doctrine to the winds of the culture trying to change the foundation which we are founded upon. In the previous verse, all were saved through fire. But this verse takes it a step further and Jesus says, If you mess with my bride, I will destroy you. If you harm her or take her off her foundation or lead her astray, the full wrath of God will be upon you. Because to do such a thing would be an absolute fruit that you are not in Christ. So before we had a judgment through fire, but yet they're still saved through fire. This means if, if you are leading or if you are taking a church off of its foundation, you are not of Christ. And you will be destroyed by fire. What, 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 what a rebuke to that Corinthian church as it is to us today. For God's temple is holy. You church family. You are his bride and you, church, are holy. Not because we are perfect, but because Christ is. And Jesus loves his church with wrathful vengeance against those who would do her harm. Again, let me just restate uh, what I said in the beginning. The foundation of the church of God is Christ. Therefore, build upon it with care for only faithfulness and pure intentions will last and all else will be burned up in the judgment. I hope this has been clear to you today. The strength and the beauty of the foundation that we have in Jesus Christ. You need none else to build your life upon, your ministry upon, your family upon, your marriage upon, other than that foundation of Christ. Keep watch over our jealousy and strife and division in this church that the tenure of Gospel Community Church would not be for naught but would stand as a tribute to the grace of Jesus Christ eternally. Eternally. So I just want to leave you with a couple of points of application so that we can take this text out those doors. So we can have a tool bag, and when we go out those doors, we can fight against the attacks of Satan. That we can fight against the winds of culture. Number one, rest upon the foundation of Christ and Him crucified. Rest 
Rest upon it. As God lifts you up out of the muck and the mire, rest upon that rock. As you build your house, your life upon it, rest upon it. Build your marriage upon it, your friendships upon it. Place your burdens upon it. It's wide enough. Its footers are deep enough to take all that you have. Lay your baggage down upon that foundation. Number two, lay down your expectations of what success looks like. God will build his church and God will provide the increase. What he asks from his faithful workers is faithfulness. Faithfulness. Not success. Not the win for Jesus, but daily, steady faithfulness. Number three, Serve the church with faithful and pure intentions. That's what the text says. Those will not be burned up. Those are gold, <laughs> silver, and precious stones. Our faithfulness and pure intention. God loves his church, and we should too. Let us be vigilant to protect it from the winds of culture and the lies of Satan. I love this church. I, I've given the last eight years of my life to help to build this church, and I pray that my intentions... And my faithfulness have been pure enough to withstand the lies of Satan, to withstand the changing cultural winds, and be a testament to the glory and to the grace of God forevermore. And I pray that for you as well. Let's pray. Father God, we lift up your church, not only here in Fayetteville, but the church global, the church universal. We lift it up because it is your bride and you love it. You love it so much that you gave your life for it. May we value, may we value it as worth more than our lives. May we give our lives away into your service because it is worth more than anything else we can place our hand to, that we can place our feet to, that we can place our heart to. You, Lord, and your church will last forever. What fruits do we have otherwise that will last forever? Our, car, our cars will burn up one day. Our houses will be knocked down. Our jobs will be gone. Yet the kingdom of God, your church, your temple, will last forever. May we at Gospel Community Church value that above all things, place our hands and our feet to the work of the ministry, and may you provide the increase, the fruit of our faithfulness and our pure intentions of our heart. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. Feel free to share the contents of this podcast, but please do not alter it in any way without permission. Please like, follow, and subscribe to us on Facebook or iTunes. Visit gospelcc.com for more content like this. At Gospel Community Church, our mission is to know the Bible, share life with others, and bring hope to our city and the world. Thanks again and have a blessed day.